Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda's in Zephyr A, and I'm in Zephyr B. This is season 30 for me, and season 26 for Amanda. And this is day 14 of season 98. Our first question asks, uh, what phrase got retroactively appended to Star Wars Episode 4? Not just Episode 4, which was also retroactively appended, but, yeah. but also A New Hope. Yes. So that was something that I was very tuned to at the time that it happened, and <laughs> have been ever since, and that was it. It became Star Wars, colon, Episode 4, no punctuation, A New Hope. Yeah, um, I don't think at the time it really um, got into my consciousness that much, because in 1980 I was just enjoying it as a movie. Um, but when the sequels came out, um, the, the prequels I should say, the episodes 1 through 3 um, that apparently George Lucas had planned um, all along or whatever, um, then it was very much more notable because it's a way of referring to that um, uh, installment in the series, you know, in a way that is kind of descriptive, but it isn't just saying like the first Star Wars movie, it isn't saying episode four, which is kind of non-descriptive. Um, and so, yeah, A New Hope kind of, um, you know, that, that got to be after a while, you know, now that we're at nine movies, um, kind of got to be a, a somewhat better shorthand way of referring to this one. So uh, I also put down A New Hope. And that was correct. Question two asks us for the male half of a fictional radio couple from the 1930s and 40s and 50s. Right. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, it's fun to see an old-timey radio question. <laughs> um, and it notes that the wife of the couple is the character's name is molly um so that just kind of took me a little bit of ruminating through who is something something in molly um and uh it it didn't take very long for me to think of fibber mcgee um which is uh you know there i think it was kind of like a bickering husband and wife comedy kind of situation uh, either that or I'm thinking of the Bickersons, which was, I think, Don Amici. But anyway, um, yeah, I uh, I just kind of know this one. I think mm -hmm. we had a, um, my I should say my dad had a box set of CDs that was uh, old-time radio shows. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty fun sometimes to listen to Jack Benny or, yep. you know, uh, all these uh, older comedians that set a lot of standards for um what you know kind of situational comedy or um you know comedy shows should be like um and so yeah i think that was probably the one that i knew this from the most is just having listened to that one to be honest this wasn't one of the ones that stuck with me as much as like um you know burns and allen for mm. example I, there was an episode of their show um, and, and, you know, and a bunch of others, um, but it did at least teach me that this is, uh, you know, one of the shows among them that was very popular, ran for 20 plus years, was Fibber McGee and Molly. So I put down Fibber McGee. Yeah, I learned about this from my father as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know that I've ever actually heard one, but he would tell me about them in the days before you could, you know, just buy them. <laughs> it was uh, when, for for all anyone knew, my dad was the only person, there was the only way that anyone would ever learn about these things again. Certainly mm. the only way I would. Um, I don't know whether they were the stereotypical arguing uh, couple. Mm. Uh, I believe the main thrust of the show was Fibber McGee would have uh, get rich quick ideas. Oh, right. And yeah. they would somehow fail. One in particular That's I remember like is he invented a glue that could uh, hold steel together. Okay. And the Navy bought it to, to make ships, mm -hmm. uh, but it it came apart in water. Right. So, right. Uh, and he had a closet that uh, was stuffed full of stuff, and one of their gimmicks was some for some reason someone would open the closet every now and then, and there would be this colossal crash and <laughs> tinkle and rattle of stuff falling out of the closet, which, of course, on radio, you could just make absolutely hilarious every mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I that's the extent of my knowledge of it, but as soon as I saw Molly, I said, oh, this is Fibber McGee and Molly. Yep. So yep. I said Fibber McGee. And that was the correct answer. It's kind of funny to think about how for a while there, the technology to transmit knowledge about Fibber McGee and Molly kind of devolved yeah. from radio yeah. to oral tradition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question three asks us to name either of the men who served as president of Afghanistan uh, between 2004 and 2021. Boy, uh, I am glad it was either of them because I immediately oh, yeah. thought of Hamid Karzai. Yeah. I can picture him uh, and I just had completely forgotten about the other guy. You could have spotted me four of the five letters in his last name and I don't think I would have gotten it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was Hamid Karzai and I thought about it for a minute. I was like, okay, was he actually the president of Afghanistan? Was he a prime minister of some kind? I, I kind of had to think like, is... You know, is the president the the center of power in under the new uh, Afghanistan or the new slash former uh, process in Afghanistan? Or, you know, is it like Israel where they have a prime minister and technically they have a president, but they didn't really do anything? Uh, but I just kept th thinking, like, no, it's got to be Karzai. Because if, if there was some, you know, other figurehead president... There's no way in hell that would be a question because yeah. that would get that would get two percent at best. Right. So okay, I'll go with Karzai. Yeah, I you know I didn't even uh, torture myself to that level <laughs> of uh, trying to think of other op options that this could be reasonable. Um, and very much would not be able to name a second Afghani polit politician, mm -hmm. you know, from that period of time. Uh, but Karzai did come to mind pretty quickly. Uh, for me just because I feel like this is a period that is technically history but is pretty close to current events mm -hmm. so um, you know it's it's something I lived through in my adult life as opposed to my childhood or beforehand so to me that's current events um, even even though it's becoming history times by the minute um, <laughs> and so yeah I I didn't even trouble to try to think of the second guy i was you know just pretty set on cars i it, it sounded right to me and i um i didn't really have a second option to even quibble over so mm -hmm. that's what i went with and that was correct i mean Karzai or ashraf ghani 
Yeah, I might have heard of him. I, I've Probably. heard of him in the sense that I remember hearing the stories about when he abandoned Afghanistan. Ooh, right. It was over lunchtime. That's right. And no one knew he did it. And there were people who worked in the presidential offices who came back from lunch and were like, hey, where'd the boss go? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, hey, where'd, where'd all those suitcases of cash that he always kept around go? Oh, and the like. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Question four asks us, uh, the eastern type of what rattlesnake is the most venomous snake in North America? Yeah, so this one threw me for a short while because I was like, you know, how type specific do you got to get with a rattlesnake? Uh-huh. Like that's, you know, a, it's a rattlesnake. But <laughs> um, but then I was like, okay, it's probably one of those things where it talks about like it's is differentiated by some body part. So it's like the hognose rattlesnake or it's the, you know, something something rattlesnake. And I had keyed in on this idea that it's most closely associated with Arizona in particular. That was, you know, referenced in the parentheses. And so obviously that's a huge clue. Um, and then I just, you know, after I thought of that, okay, it's the, the something body part mm-hmm. formulation type of thing, then Diamondback came to mind uh, reasonably quickly. I thought, yeah, that's definitely a... Um, a type of rattlesnake, you know, now that I have to, have been forced to consider that there are types of them. And um, <laughs> that is, of course, the uh, baseball team, I believe, in Arizona, the Diamondbacks. Yep. So, um, you know, my game sport knowledge comes in clutch right here. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, once I kind of landed on that, it definitely checked all the boxes. So I put down Diamondback. Uh, I skipped over the parenthetical entirely until I'd already figured this one out. Oh, wow. Uh, Partially, I I was in the Boy Scouts in Nevada. Uh. And, you know, one of the things we learned was what not to step on. And one of them, (laughs) various kinds of rattlesnakes, and one of them was Diamondback. I don't know that we necessarily specifically learned about the Eastern or what any of the other types were, but Diamondback rattlesnake was definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. So I figured that was it. And then later when I was going through them again to answer, because I'm tired of missing out on clues, so I'm <laughs> being very careful these days, you know, since day before yesterday or whenever. <laughs> um, and then the specifically Arizona really uh, brought mm-hmm. it home as well, because, yes, it's the baseball team. So I said Diamondback. And that was the correct answer. Uh, question five asks us, very cruelly, I feel, <laughs> to give any year within the literary era known as the Jacobean Age. Yeah, I just... I, this one's going to be a journey, because it took me a while <laughs> to talk myself out of a correct answer. My first thought is, okay, Shakespeare was alive. Shakespeare died on his birthday, April 23rd, 16-something-6. I think it might have been 26? So, all right, well, let's let's go earlier than that. So let's say 16-16. Okay. Was that? But wait, did all this stuff happen early in Shakespeare? Because I remember uh, Shakespeare dealt with a female monarch as well. Was that after James? Was that Mary? Did Mary come after James? Um, and I just so I kept thinking, no, it's got to be younger. And I thought the tragedy is he he wrote those late. So or or did he write those early? Because I I seem to remember 
seeing something recently about how the comedies were like the last things that he wrote. Mm. Um, I may just be misinterpreting that because I was misinterpreting the other thing too, because <laughs> I was remembering Shakespeare in love when he, oh. you know, had to deal with Queen Elizabeth. Uh -huh. And obviously he was the very younger Joseph Fiennes version of him, of himself, not the older <laughs> bald guy that we see in all the woodcuts or whatever. Sure. So, and, and then I, I remembered, you know, I, I remember the issue of Sandman where it was alluded to that Shakespeare helped with the King James Bible. Oh. I thought, okay, that must have been when he was younger too. So <laughs> I just kept pushing it back 1606 maybe. And I just, thought, no, it's got to be like earlier than that even. Like real early in his in his time. And I kept thinking, how old was he when he died? He was, I feel like he was middle-aged at least. So all of this stuff that clearly happened very early in his life must have happened before the 1600s. It must have been a good 30 years before he died, which I think was something like 1626, possibly 1616. Let's go with, let's say 1590. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. We'll say 1590 is when all the, so when some of this stuff was still happening. You know, given that I already know the answer, none of our listeners can see my pained expression mm. because it's, it's, so sad mm. um but i certainly didn't do you any better um i figured uh i had thought that that uh the jacobean era was just plain later in history than uh you know i was i was thinking that the elizabethan era extended further into the 1600s you know maybe until like 1620 i don't know um but I also didn't really have any single one of these things to peg this um, question to. Like, there's all these references in the question, and I don't know the dates of any of them. You know, the prose of Francis Bacon, John Donne's sermons, the King James Bible, the poetry of Ben Jonson, translations of the Iliad and Odyssey, and Shakespeare's tragedy. I don't, you know, I have never had occasion to study or at least not retain, um, you know, study as in read and passing more than once kind of thing, um, the dates of any of these things. I probably should know about the King James Bible. I probably should know about, you know, Shakespeare's working period of time, but I don't. So I was left trying to think of historical events that might kind of figure into any of these. And I kind of zeroed in on like, Ben Johnson, and I felt like there's all these diarists during this time. Uh, I thought maybe one of the things that they documented would be like the Great London Fire, which was 1666. I had originally thought maybe 1650 was like my ballpark guess for this, but um, I, as it turns out, only got further away from um, the actual set of answers by going with 1666. <sighs> it was 1603 to 1625. Okay, sure. Talked myself out of it, mm. but still in it, and then out of it. Oy vey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just, had absolutely everything, every, every detail flipped. Should have just yeah. gone with it and stuck with it, but kept talking myself out of it. It's one of those things where, Annoying. like, as Americans, we fought a war to not have to know these <laughs> kings and queens nonsense. So... Yeah, but we should we should know when Shakespeare was working. Should we? To a certain extent. I guess we should at least mm -hmm. know when his tragedies were in. Oh, well. If you say so. Well, back to good old American stuff. 
Yeah. What did uh, what did we call the covered wagons? Uh, named named after a river in Pennsylvania. They were Conestoga wagons. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know this is one that I definitely have heard many times in school and elsewhere um, because this was you know one of the just very romanticized mm-hmm. movements in America of people taking the covered wagons out west, you know, prairie schooners, they, they got all, you know, these poetical kinds of terms um, for them. And it is that very, you know, I'm, I'm sure I read a um, at least one romance novel for teens that was based on someone going out west like this, like the, the Little House series, all these things. Um, and so this was not a hard one to, to pluck out of my brain. Um, I just put down Conestoga, given that wagons were mentioned in the uh, uh, question uh, more than once, in fact. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, this is just one of those little tidbits of uh, American folk history, I guess. So, no problem there. Yep. Uh, another thing you learn about in in the Nevada schools is that oh, yeah. whole pioneer time. Sure. Plenty of those Conestoga wagons came across the... Uh, the Great Basin of Nevada. Mm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, this was, you know, I'm just reading this one going, don't say Conestoga, because that's what I think it is. <laughs> yes, all right, got to the end. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I don't know that I could have told you that it was from a river in Pennsylvania, mm. any part of that. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah, that was that was uh, what they were, Conestoga wagons. Yep, and that was the correct answer. Mm-hmm. And you, you always enjoy a little... Um, you know, Thorsten's gonna gonna teach you a tiny bit bit of history in the question by asking it with the you know it's a river in in Lancaster County, PA. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's interesting to know. I yeah. guess. Yep. Um. So, yeah, really, just I mean, I think sometimes more seriously that does kind of cement those some of those key items of trivia because you can connect more facts to them, and so it's kind of fun to yep. to get a hold of that that way. Um, so we both got five out of six, yeah. the same five. Five out of six and barely missed the six. Mm. Well, not me. Well. I, I was a good 50 <laughs> years-ish off. 40, so. two, 41, <laughs> 41 years off. 50-ish, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, I, I think that one really varies depending on people's, uh, literature and world history and all those kinds of scores. So I mm-hmm. didn't defend it super hard. Yeah. Even though I found it difficult for myself, um, I actually defended Fibber McGee the hardest, mm-hmm. just because I figured that was a specific one. If yep. you hadn't heard about old Tammy Radio, and that's a admittedly hard thing to tease out of the categories, because it's really not television, it's not film, mm. but it's kind of in that entertainment, uh, uh, you know, area there. So. Yep. I guess we'll see how it goes. Yep. So that's it for today. Tune in on Tuesday for more post-game analysis. In the meantime, follow us at Learned Leg with all the vowels now on Blue Sky. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.